It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving street-smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My model is, if you do what you always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and your business. Today's program is Start Me Up, How Entrepreneurship Made Me Feel Like a Global Rock Star. My guest is Pam Eyring, the owner and president of the Protocol School of Washington, the global leader in international protocol, business etiquette, and cross-cultural awareness training. She has worked with some of the most influential business leaders, heads of state, and political dignitaries across the globe. After acquiring the uh, Protocol School of Washington in 2005, she soon expanded operations internationally with coursework in the United Arab Emirates, Trinidad and Tobago, and the Republic of Turkey. Pam is here today to share her own entrepreneurial journey and discuss how women-owned businesses are changing the international marketplace. With her strong business acumen, a successful work-life balance, and a great sense of humor, Pam has inspired others to become their own rock star and take central stage in their professional lives. Welcome, Pam. It's a delight to be to have you on the business edge. Thank you, Marcia. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you are a special guest for me because um, I have lived not only travel but lived internationally, and I'm I am so um, excited about having someone who can tell my listeners um, the ins and outs of doing business internationally. But before we get to that, um, I'd like you to tell me about your business, uh, why did you start it, and what is its purpose? Well, it's a great story, Marcia. Uh, I was working for the uh, Air Force, and I'd been in protocol for many years, um, and then had transferred into education and training. And more than, uh, it's been 18 years, I attended the Protocol School of Washington when I was the chief of protocol. And I kept in touch with the founder and eventually was starting to train for her. I would just take my vacation days and I'd fly up uh, to do the trainings and, and return. And what happened was she was telling me that she was going to sell the business. And uh, this is Dorothea Johnson, our founder. And I was excited, and I even asked her, uh, would you consider me? 
And there was a pause, and I got a little nervous about that. <laughs> and she said, well, let's, let's talk about it. So it really, although the school started in 1988, um, it really, uh, Dorothea had done a wonderful job making a baseline, a foundation of the school, and my goal was to uh, make it 2.0. And so I had a lot of courage Mm-hmm. And I had been well, doing well financially, saving my money, and went in and got an SBA loan. And, you know, it, it was an amazing journey for me. I remember leaving the government and resigning after 23 years of service and as a civilian employee. So crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> I was younger then. No, but it was wonderful. Well, you know, you you know what I say. Um, if you've always, uh, if you do what you've always did, and you you will get what you've always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone, okay, to bring the, the uh, so that the magic could happen. And you are a perfect example of someone who left a government, pretty probably fairly secure job, to go off and become an entrepreneur. Um, so uh, I, I I think you have this great story. Um, now, let's m- move forward a bit and um, tell me, what were some of the challenges in getting it off the ground? Well, uh, Dorothea had the school. She had moved the school from Washington, D.C. to um, to Maine, to Portland, Maine. Hmm. And uh, it was just there for about five years before or when I purchased the school and acquired it. I think the biggest challenge was... Um, you know, I knew I had been training for her. She was a great mentor and coach for me. But the first challenge was, one, moving the office to uh, where I lived at that time in Dayton, Ohio. Mm. And and then only having myself as an employee, I thought, uh, you know, this, is, this could be a problem. This could be a big problem. And what happened was uh, her office manager, Jean Anderson, uh, you know, knew that she had sold the school and uh, mentioned that she would like to work for me. Mm. And it was a miracle. I thought, oh my gosh, she would move to Dayton. We were still, we were holding, we were moving the courses to Washington, D.C., but my office, the administrative office, was going to be in Dayton, Ohio, where I lived. Mm-hmm. And she said she'd move. So we, we found an office. We moved all the office contents, of course, and that, I think, that was a, a beautiful move to have her on the team because she'd already worked for Dorothea and did the operations of the school for huh? five years. So it was reverse mentoring. She, was, she, she taught me so much about the operations of the school. And so, um, you know, that, that was in the beginning um, when you uh, took over. And, uh, but there must have been other challenges as you are growing the business. So what might be some of those challenges? Because I think even though our listeners may not have the same business as you, they may have entirely different business. My sense is that there are challenges that permeate whatever business or, or you're in as you're as you're building that business. So, what were some of those other challenges? I think the biggest challenge uh, was to ensure that our classes were full, or or you know having a, uh, participants in the open enrollment classes because you sign agreements with hotels 
and you know to to have these certificate programs delivered. I think that was quite the challenge was to make sure that we were profitable. You know, we are a for-profit school, and that was a concern, of course, that as we were transitioning, you know, Dorothea, we, you know, how can we capitalize on what the founder has done so well, but yet make it even better? Because that's what she wanted me to do, you know, she, she'd worked very hard to build the school. So the biggest challenge, I think, was, you know, to, to make sure that people were confident, these students uh, were confident that the change of command was good. <laughs> I, had some, I had some credentials. So you have to market yourself, and I think that's hard for, uh, especially women, to promote themselves without bragging. You know, uh-huh, it's not uh-huh. something we do very well. We like to put everyone else front and center, but we don't do enough of that. And so that was one big challenge was how do I market myself and my reputation, my credentials and credibility appropriately so that people know this, that the school's not going downhill now. <laughs> it's only going to go up. And that, that was a, uh, the second biggest challenge, I think. Um, not that I didn't have the credentials, but being comfortable enough mm-hmm. to, to showcase those, those attributes and skills. And I think you brought up a very good point about women not, not feeling comfortable to do that, yet it was an absolute necessity uh, to gain the confidence and the credibility of your probably pa- past clients uh, and of future clients. So, you know, what have you learned uh, that you can pass on to women? I know we're going to get into lessons learned uh, in our third segment, but is there one thing that you can say to help women be more confident or to come across more confident? Well, the first thing is uh, is being able to showcase those, again, the attributes and the skills. And mm-hmm. In order to do that, you have to come out from behind uh, and mentally prepare yourself for this and say, okay, if I want to be an entrepreneur, I need to market myself and uh-huh. whatever business that I have. But you, you, you have to remember as an entrepreneur that you are the business. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am the school. I am the front uh, person of that rock band. I'm the lead singer. <laughs> I'm the lead singer, and I wish I could sing a little bit better. But I, at least I, I can I can act when I'm on that stage. I know I represent my school, and I represent every individual that works for me. I represent the students that have graduated. I represent my clients, and they have to change that mindset that oh no, it's just a business. No, it's you. It's your reputation. Right. So we talked a bit about the challenges. Um, now let's move on to what are what do you find the most satisfying in owning your business? Oh, definitely it's the relationships that we build. Um, you know, we really focus. It's not all about making money and all about us. It's really about the development, the professional development of adults. These, mm-hmm. these aren't children. These are full adults coming to our courses or we're going to their businesses and conducting programs. So I think the satisfying part of it is learning what their needs are. What are their learning objectives? Understanding uh, where they want to go. 
mm-hmm. a client might have some issues that are happening in their workforce and you know no you know HR doesn't want to deal with this <laughs> they just <laughs> want it fixed so we listen intently and confidentially that's important yes. yes so that we can build a program that will edutain their uh, their workforce or our students, but yet get the points across using adult learning theories. And I think the relationships that come from that, that they're proud to be a graduate or they're proud to be a client of ours, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they need something, they know that they can call the school. We're not going to charge them every minute that they call. We're not by the hour. Uh, they're a graduate. If they're successful, we're going to be successful. And I think, you know, no, again, whatever business you are creating and building, and it is the, the focus, as I see it, is, and, and what this show is about, is how to create and grow a great business that matters, that you want it to be profitable. Of course you want it to be profitable. Um, but at the same time, you get this feeling that you're doing good. You're making an impact. You're making a difference. And that comes out very clear, uh, loud and clear to me about, you know, what's driving you and, and where your satisfactions are. Um, so, it's you customer know, service, Marcia. It's yes. really that, cust- you know, people say customer service. I oh. give great customer service. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not <laughs> listening to your client's needs, you, you have to really listen for what their needs are and what they want and, and then go the extra mile. Uh, you know, we, I, I write a welcome note to every student that comes to our courses in Washington, D.C., a note. So if we have nine, ten classes a year at 30 per class, wow. think about that. Wow. A handwritten note. And I, and I do it every, every course, uh, whether I'm there at the course or uh, not. And that makes a powerful impact on them that I took the time. Now, I could mm-hmm. print them out and I could put a stamp on it, but no, I handwrite those. That's right. great customer service. Yes, and that is being lost in, in our very fast texting generation. <laughs> but, of course... Um, Let's move on because I think you know. I think you and I are of the same same elk. Um, so you know, let's now go. You've talked about where you've been, um, mm-hmm. and moving to where you are today, and where do you want to be in the future? Well, where we are today is we're international. We we used to only get one or two internationals, um, you know, from a different country into our classes, and now sometimes our courses um, are a third international, and that is where we want to be. We enjoy having them come into our courses because because we learn from them, and they learn from us. And then we build those relationships internationally. And then we also have uh, an office in the United Arab Emirates and have expanded um, through the Gulf uh, region. And it's, it's booming over there. Uh, you know, they really enjoy the protocol training that we provide, and we do a lot of on-site training, too. So we're, that's where we are today. But for the future, I want to expand even further. I, I know that there's other countries that don't have protocol 
in business etiquette training, and they need it desperately because we're, we're, we are global. All our countries are doing business internationally, and there's challenges in communication and, and cross-cultural issues right. that we, we, can help, we can help them fix. Uh, so, because I have this international background, I'm curious, what, what countries can you tell um, us what possible countries you may be looking at or um, that, you would like to, that you would like to move into? I think our first, you know, we're, we're making sure that we're covering the Gulf region. So we've mm-hmm. done well in UAE. Uh, we've expanded into Bahrain and Qatar and Saudi Arabia. So those, the, the Gulf region is going well. But our next target is Asia. And we're thinking uh, Singapore, maybe having uh, programs in Singapore where we can in, uh, enhance you know, professionalism from different Asian countries that can come to Singapore. Uh, we, Sim- Singapore runs their business very similar to the United States, which is good for us. Right. Uh, working in China could be our next, another step, but it's very challenging to work in China. So there's a lot of prep and time that will be needed to get uh, that investment going. Uh, yes, uh, just an aside, because we just have about another minute or so, that my husband did work for an international oil company, and uh, one of the places he had to negotiate was China. And mm-hmm. um, it was, let's say, one of the most interesting but the most difficult <laughs> assignments that he had. But anyway, any further thoughts? We have about a minute or so um, about, you know, where do you personally want to go? We've talked about your business. What about you personally? What are your goals? I think my next, uh, what I've been focusing on is my next step is to write a book. I okay. After owning the school 11 years and, and, and been in business since I was you know, working since I was 18 years old, I have some lessons learned that I can share. <laughs> it will help other entrepreneurs, especially on the business side. And two, I think I want to deliver more motivational speeches. Okay. I enjoy mm-hmm. doing motivational speeches and presentations versus training facilitation. So that, those are my two hot buttons I want to work on. Well, that is that sounds great, and um, let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Pam Iring, talking about how entrepreneurship made her feel like a global rock star. You're listening to the Business Edge and Voice America Business Channel. In the next segment, Pam will be telling us in more in detail how she has grown her business. Stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. 
Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol, to reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest today is Pam Eyring, talking about how entrepreneurship made her feel like a global rock star. Uh, at the uh, and During the first segment, uh, Pam talked about her entrepreneurial journey from buying her uh, protocol school about 10 years ago to where she is today and what she or her plans for the future. But in this segment, we're going to be talking to Pam about the nitty gritty of growing a business. So, uh, Pam, I'm going to just throw out to you some issues that I know entrepreneurs face when they move from a startup venture to a more established business. And one of the first things that I always hear is about staffing, about hiring the right people, engaging them, you know, uh, onboarding them, retaining them, uh, keeping your talent, getting great talent. So, uh, what has that experience been for you as you have grown your business? Well, it was very easy when it was just uh, two of us. You know, logically, um, it's uh, easier to operate when you have a smaller staff of two or mm-hmm. three. And uh, you know, I was—I think what I've learned with staffing is—is is that I, how I like to do it is by uh, knowing the person. Actually, I, I like to have a relationship, a prior relationship or a referral, like if, if she or he worked for someone else. And as we started growing, my, my second hire, uh, two whole people, <laughs> my second hire, 
was a, uh, attending, uh, was a graduate of our school. I was teaching in Washington. She came to the class. Now, where I didn't know her family or background, I watched her in class, and we were looking for uh, more of an entry-level position to do special projects and, and help us with marketing, et cetera. And she was sharp. She was young. She was educated, but she was so professional and fun. I, I mean, she worked. I watched her how she worked with the other students and and her presentation skills. And I was just, I was excited. And I went to her and I said, "How would you like to work for the Protocol School of Washington?" And she uh, said, "I would love it." So what we did, instead of just you know, hey, I like you, you're hired. Uh, we t- did some personality testing. Mm-hmm. We uh, contacted her referrals or references and uh, did another interview with her before we actually made her an offer. And then mm-hmm. we moved her to our office. And she stayed with me uh, on nearly 10 years. And just recently, last year, she uh, had a, you know, had gotten married a couple years ago, and, had, and she just had her baby. And she wanted to, her new job was to stay be a full-time mom and I love it and so you know finding those people and then onboarding them you know mm-hmm. I, I look at um, we do a lot of disc profiles I'm sure you've heard of those mm-hmm. and where I'm a very big I which is influence you know very outgoing and enthusiastic and very uh, lively you know uh, strength overdone can become a weakness so I, I really cannot have a bunch of us you know, running around the office. We, we needed a balance. So now what we do when we're looking for uh, positions to be filled, we'll have them take that DISC profile. Mm-hmm. Not that that's the only tool or use that only for that decision, but we do need balance in the office. And then onboarding. Onboarding is so important. I think that's the first impression they're going to have. They're mm-hmm. already nervous about starting work. So, you know, making it comfortable, welcoming them, uh, have a plan. That's what we do is we have a training plan. So from the moment they onboard the first day might be a lot of administrative things that they have to do. Maybe we have a welcome lunch with them. And then we start integrating them into our culture and understanding their position, you know, what their role is, and, and, and really more about the history of the school, too, so that they mm-hmm. feel the passion our people have for what we do. And so when you uh, onboard them, you talk about um, them getting to know the, the role. Um, what about the culture? Let's just talk briefly about the culture, because that's where it starts. It starts when they first come on board. So how do you help them understand your culture? Maybe you need to say a couple word, a couple words about your culture of the school. Well, they spend time with me. I think that is, and and we we can do that. We're not a hundred people, you know, as far <laughs> as um, personnel. But I spend quality time with them. I tell them my personal story and my journey. I tell them what's important to me, you know, that quality and and how important our clients and our students and our trainers and our team are to Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. and I think hearing it from me personally and Mm -hmm. feeling that passion and what makes me excited with our team, I feel that that helps 
and I, again, I spend a lot of time. That's part of the training plan is to spend time with Pam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but it's a way to communicate and share also the Pamisms. You know, there's, it's, you know, what I believe in and my, and what my, uh, leadership style might be too. Um, and you know, s- some uh, listeners out there can say, "Well, you're a you know a small." And again, I don't know how many people, but can can the CEO of a larger company? We're not talking about Fortune, you know, uh, f- uh, Fortune 100, but of a company that may have a hundred people, and a new person comes on board. Do you think it's feasible for that new person to spend time with the CEO? If it's possible to have an appointment with the CEO or even a phone call is <laughs> wonderful. The, the CEO can make a phone call to a new hire and welcome them on board. There's, mm-hmm. you know, 10 minutes. That's all they need just to say hello, welcome. You know, I know, you know, you, you can share a little bit about, you know, what's important and uh, to that company. The other way to do it is you can video. You can video mm-hmm. the CEO and have mm-hmm. them in the conference room and, and let them talk, to, you know, let the CEO talk to the person in a way that uh, can share that culture. Disney does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're onboarding people for uh, Disney, Walt Disney have, the, they they share some of uh, Walt yeah. Disney's mm-hmm. um, foundational theories and, and vision to get them excited about working for Disney. Well, uh, you and I are on the same page with that, and I think it's important for the listeners to understand that it can be done as you as you get bigger and bring on more people. Um, find ways for that new hire to feel welcomed. And to feel valued. And the, one of the best ways is to have the, the CEO, the president, or whatever, welcome them, whether it's a handshake, if it's there, or a, a, a video. Um, so, you know, let's move on um, because now you've, you've onboarded them. You've got, you hired them. You onboarded them. You're, you're, you, they have a training plan. I'm sure you've gone over roles and responsibilities, etc. But let's get to the operations of a business. And um, especially because I believe you have you have an off. Uh, uh, where do you have offices? I know Washington. Do you have offices in other countries as well? Yes, we have uh, an office in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, right. and I have a managing director. Uh, his name is Saeed Al Sakadi, and right. he yes, he's our manager. And then we also have um, Jesse Acaster who is from Australia. So, you know, two different communication styles there, but they're doing a wonderful job, and and we'll probably be hiring uh, a third person very soon, uh, probably by the end of uh, this year. But, you know, it's not even just the staffing, the full-time salary employees that you onboard and and work (laughs) with. We have trainers, training facilitators that we have (laughs) onboard that are not full-time staff, but they are subcontractors to us. Mm-hmm. And I think with um, the operational side, communication is very important. Yes. We mm-hmm. want those, those training facilitators or even if there's any vendors that work with us mm-hmm. to be on board with our culture. And it really comes down to communicating how we are, how particular we are with quality, 
when we, we have a whole set of procedures for onboarding new trainers. They have to be subject matter experts in their field for what we're hiring, but then huh. they have to test. They, we, we spend much time with them coaching them for our educational style and culture. And, and if they're not right, they don't play. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like a musician, you know, you, can, yeah. you have tryouts. Right. Uh, just like an athlete, you have tryouts, and then when we think you're ready, then we put you in front of our audience, and we feel comfortable that you're going to do a wonderful job. Um, so, so you've talked about uh, processes or procedures for onboarding, and 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 uh, helping your the even if they're subcontractors, understanding your style, understanding you know the, your training proce- training. Well, what else? Are there other po- uh, procedures that are important that you have found to help people uh, uh, be on the same page? We have a lot. Well, one, we're accredited. And with accreditation, you definitely have to have policies and processes and procedures. And they have mm-hmm. to be documented. So we can't just say, hey, this is the procedure. We mm-hmm. have to have it documented and in a checklist format, potentially, too. Mm-hmm. And we find that that is very helpful when we're not only onboarding, but just, you know, you could be working here for several years and, you know, you you have to use this checklist just to make sure that you don't forget uh, a, a certain area uh, or communicate because one little change can can affect several people uh-huh. and so understanding that if this changes if someone drops out of a course or we have a new add-on at the last minute what do you do uh-huh. we have a checklist for this and 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 they know where it is physically. They have access to it, and and we share it. And then we have staff meetings, and I think that might be old-fashioned. Some people say, well, you know, you just send them an email. But what I find (laughs) is having that old-fashioned staff meeting Mm -hmm. at least once or twice a month just to check in and Mm -hmm. go around the table. And we have uh, Saeed and his team Skype with us. Right. Right. It's a little later in the evening for them. <laughs> yes. But we try to make it early in the morning here. But that is so effective because we can visually see Saeed and Jesse, mm-hmm. and we can share and laugh a little bit and, and feel connected, even though they're thousands of miles away from us. So um, just to give people uh, an idea of your size, um, full-time, when, you're, when you say you have a staff meeting, how many people are at your staff meeting literally sitting with you? Um, it might, it, at the table, when it's an internal staff meeting, we have right. seven working okay. here in uh, South Carolina. Okay. And then we have uh, two in Dubai. Right, and then our office in Washington. I commute to that that office. It's okay. really just um, a physical office there, but I commute. And but that's the team, the internal team. We probably have more than a dozen trainers mm-hmm. that we're deploying internationally and domestically. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll have meetings with them, you mm-hmm. know, certain segments of them, depending on what course they're they're teaching. So it it's, it's trying, you know, it's not that it's huge over, you know, 50, 100. But if, if we were and we will grow to be a larger 
uh, organization and school, then what we'll do is have, um, I'll have key vice presidents that uh-huh. will be in charge of their division with right. the people. Right. And then they'll be managing their own staff meetings. <laughs> I'll just invite myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, I th- well, and I think the, the, uh, um, an important piece here is it's not just how many people you have um, that you would consider staff, but then you add another dimension, and that's what I was getting at because it's in different uh, locations. And some are, yes, in the U.S., but, you know, it's, uh, as I, you know, two or three different locations, and then you have international. And as you grow, and I think this is a key piece, as you grow from something small and intimate to something bigger, that policies and procedures um, have to be in place um, and so that people know, you know, what they're supposed to do. And I think that's a key thing that many entrepreneurs don't realize. <laughs> um, and, and one other thing I would add that yes. we didn't have when we first started uh, was an employee handbook and mm-hmm. evaluations. You know, every, I, I think my military background, it was uh, good because I started doing the, when we had more than just me and one other person, we started doing evaluations, you know, yearly <laughs> evaluations and setting goals. And that's been very good. But the employee handbook, this is something I've known I've just uh, as a member of Women's President's Organization and, and other, uh, you know, dealing with other small businesses, women-owned or um, male-owned, it doesn't matter. But what they forget is when they're adding new people, sure, you can have the onboarding and everything, but we have to have an employee handbook for them you know, that states those policies and procedures. You know, what are their working hours and, uh-huh. and what to do if they get sick? Who do they call? Who should they inform and how they inform them? And what happens if it's over three days? And what happens if they're in the hospital? Those kind of things need to be spelled out for people. You and so good that there's some policies. Right. And I want you to hold that thought because I may we may come back to it after our break. But it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Pan. Pam Eyring talking about how entrepreneurship made her feel like a global rock star. You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. In the next segment, uh, Pam will be giving us some of those lessons learned and advice on how building your business uh, so that you will do good and you will do well. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or snelling.com. 
There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business edge with marcia's idol to reach marcia or her guests on today's show please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com now back to the business edge Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest today is Pam Eyring, talking about how entrepreneurship made her feel like a global rock star. Um, in the last segment, uh, Pam really gave us a great uh, insight into what it takes to build a business. And she went into the whole process of staffing, developing communication, um, uh, also d- um, making sure you have processes and, and procedures in place, and at the end, the importance of a handbook. So these are key things for entrepreneurs to, to understand they need to do as they grow their business. So in this segment, um, Pam has been an entrepreneur for about 10 years, and um, she has learned, I'm sure, many lessons um, so far in, in her entrepreneurial journey, and I'd like her to share some of those lessons and perhaps advice to those of you out there who are either thinking of being an entrepreneur or just starting your business or even growing it, how to get it to be very successful. So, Pam, uh, what are those lessons learned? Marcia, the first that I've learned is that you really cannot have a big ego. <laughs> you are replaceable. I'm a, you know, you, sometimes we think only I can do this. Only I can make this happen or I should make that phone call. And, you know, we are replaceable and you, you should be successing, succession planning all the time, growing. Um, not that they'll replace you, but you share that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the, the other lesson learned, I, I can say, that has helped me in my management style is, is you can't communicate with your team the same way. Each individual employee that works for you, or especially if you're directly, you know, reports to you, might have a different way to receive that communication if you want results. I mean, that's what employees have supervisors, and it's for productivity and producing 
whatever they should be producing. And But we have to communicate with them so that they understand. And if I'm a very outgoing person and I don't really follow detail that much, if I have someone working for me that does, then they might not like that too much because it might be too scattered for them. <laughs> I learned that uh, through Myers-Briggs and this disc, yes. and I find that I am more successful when I can adapt my management style to the needs of my employees or my team. Um, oh, that is so great. Um, uh, because in the coaching that I do with high potential uh, uh, managers, high pros, and those who have uh, moved into a uh, high-level position is to actually look at their management style as and what are your strengths and what do you have to work on and how f- the flexibility, I think that's the important thing, the flexibility uh, to be able to be in tune with that other person. Um, and, and there's, you know, I want you to talk a little bit m- about um, if you've had this issue as you've grown your business, which is I know uh, many entrepreneurs and and those who have, you know, are self-starters, um, which is letting go, uh, learning mm-hmm. to delegate. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Has that been an issue for you? <laughs> what do they say? Delegate, but uh, verify. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to trust, but verify. And and I think that's where some of the ego too can come along. Is mm-hmm. you know, if it's not working, you need to let it go. Whether it be something you've um, created and you've you've orchestrated it and you're running it or if it's a new product and it's just not selling or something's not working, you can't ignore that because you're so attached to it. I think that was one of my lessons learned when we developed <laughs> new learning lessons. And they just weren't, they were good, but I was more attached to them, I think, than we could sell them <laughs> at that time. So, you know, you have to let those things go. And people, that's the other part, is if you've hired someone that is not working out for your company you have to to let them go if you can, and uh, you know if you're not contractually assigned. But even if so, get an attorney and find out how you can let that person go because that can cause so much damage in your your workforce. And um, any further thoughts or lessons learned or last you know do's or don'ts for those out there uh, that you know could help them build a great business. Um, you've talked about not having a you know, big ego and to be able to communicate with your team and yes, learning uh, and not get attached to your, you know, <laughs> your baby, uh, whatever it is, whether it's a program or a product, any final thoughts? The final thought I would share would be is to, to really understand the legal side of your business and your financial side. Read uh-huh. everything. Understand what you're reading. And especially contracts. If you're dealing with someone, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll pay you next week. Or, you know, get it in writing and not just via email. Say, so, you know, we, we have a policy that we'll uh, need a letter of agreement and then finish up with a contract. And if you're get, getting a contract, read every word, especially internationally. I mean, mm-hmm. the writing of, uh, you know, Arabic and English, for instance, uh, some of the contracts I have to sign are more than 20 pages long wow. because we're dealing wow. with high-level government. Yes. And if I can't understand it, I'll go to my own attorney. So think about that. You know, have uh, 
You know, don't just sign it because you want the business. You know, make sure you understand and feel free to change. You know, you have to go back to them and say, no, you can't own my my intellectual property. Um, uh-huh, sorry. Uh-huh, <laughs> so uh-huh. Yes. Be able to stand up for yourself, but read and question uh, contracts and, and your financials. Um, you know, they say that uh, for successful business, you can say it's a, you need um, a, a group of advisors, and certainly you need a legal, you need a financial, you may need um, um, a technology advisor, and you need a business advisor uh, as well. And I think you covered that so well today. Um, I want to thank you so much, Pam. This has been, it's been a delight talking with you. And just for the listeners to know, Pam's going to be back on in April, and we're going to be focusing very much on uh, culture and and, uh, communications with culture. So, Pam, um, why don't you tell the uh, listeners uh, something, you know, how to contact you, a little bit about your school, and anything else you would like them to know? Well, always the easiest way to find out more information is to visit our website at psow.edu. And to understand that the, the Protocol School of Washington is the only nationally accredited educational institution providing international protocol, cross-cultural awareness, business etiquette, and, the, and image training. And I think that seal of approval that we worked very hard for that accreditation. And we offer courses, uh, open enrollment certificate programs in D.C. and and abroad, but we can also do things on site. So if you need a one-day training or multiple-day training in in these areas, we can come to you. And and we're celebrating our 10th National Protocol Officer Week as well, March 27th through April 2nd. Oh, uh I want to say again, thank you so much, Pam. Um, I've learned a lot um, today, and I think our listeners as well. And also to say that um, you bring that human aspect to uh, this interview, and also the idea that um, um, how you can, how women can be much more forceful uh, and. Um, and more successful. So I want to, again, thank you, and I look forward to having you back in April. Thank you, Marcia, and go rock on. I'm going to rock on. Um, <laughs> now it's time for Marcia's Musings. It's time for Marcia's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. Taking the leap into entrepreneurship. What's stopping you? Are you scared of failing? Are you scared of being embarrassed if things don't work out? Or are you scared that you'll have a hard time finding a job again uh, and that companies won't want you if you failed? Well, you're not alone. Several successful entrepreneurs I've talked with and interviewed on the Business Edge have expressed at one time or another doubts. Doubts about themselves, doubts about their their business, even doubts about their business plan. Yet they persevered and came out with valuable uh, insights about building a business that matters, one that does well and does good. So, listeners, whether you are thinking about starting a company, having just started one, 
are in the midst of building one, here are three tips from the experiences of those entrepreneurs. First, start a business that you're passionate about. Now, I know this sounds a little cliche, but it's absolute must. If you can't imagine yourself working on this idea for at least five years, living and breathing this idea, then probably you will not be successful at it. If you're in it just for the money, then it'll probably be short-lived. Second, at the same time, vet your ideas before you take the leap. If you're in a service-based business, start doing outreach to see if your target market would be interested in your services. If you're trying to launch a product to get, uh, get market validation, see if people would be interested in your idea or create a simple version of your product or service and get feedback. Finally, realize that there are always options, even when you're at the worst point in your company, when you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from or where you're going to get the money to pay your help, and, and you may not even make rent next month, there are options. You just have to be strategic and take a step back and work on your business instead of being in your business to find the answers. So here's a smart moves question. Do you have the right stuff? How well do you stack up to other successful entrepreneurs? Find out by taking the Entrepreneur Edge profile. It will assess you on the key drivers of entrepreneurial success. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-M-O-V-E-S-C-O-A-C-H.com. Or call me at 972-380-9181. You're listening to Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Next week's program to bring more magic to your leadership and business is a second-generation family business, Lessons Learned and Learnings. Did you know family-owned businesses account for nearly 90% of U.S. businesses, some 5.5 million, and a third are headed by women? To say they are the foundation of our economy is an understatement. Often overlooked is the handoff from one generation to the other. Issues of values, vision, customers, and services can present a platform for success or landmines to avoid. This program is a case study. My guests are Rachel Sanchez and Jason DeVerno, the second-generation owners of Prestige Maintenance USA, a national provider for janitorial and facilities management. They will discuss their journey as second-generation family business owners. Tune in Friday, March 18th at noon Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach. 
Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business.